This is Out in Arkansas with Tracy and Angie. We're your host, Tracy Berry. Angie Bowen. <laughs> we are going to bring you your weekly TNA. Weekly? Weekly. Weekly right. TNA. Yeah. Oh, you're probably wondering what in the world is TNA. Well, it's well, probably they're not wondering, but they might have guessed oh, yeah. <laughs> a different one. I don't know. They're probably not wondering. They probably aren't wondering. No. Probably just well, I mean, for those of you who, who are wondering, uh, of course, Tracy and Angie, it could be that. Um, but we, we like to say TNA for truth and answers because that's what we're trying to bring you guys each week is the truth and maybe even hopefully some answers. Or at least our truth and our answers. Okay, yeah, there's that. Right. Because everybody has a different truth. I don't truth know if they now. are the truth and the answers. <laughs> there are oh, come truth on. and answers. <laughs> Fine. Tracy and Angie's truth and answers. There you go. About being out in Arkansas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, um, so this is LGBTQ programming. It is. This podcast is. And... I guess we need to maybe share a little bit about our backgrounds and our experiences here in Arkansas uh, so people will maybe understand a little bit more of why we have this podcast. Why do we have this podcast? <laughs> Angie, you don't know the answer? No, let's hear T's <laughs> answer. Let's hear T's answer. T's answer. T's truth well, okay. and answers. So, so let's let's start. So my truth. I'll start with maybe a little bit of my background and my story. So, I grew up here in Arkansas, in a conservative community, rural community outside of Little Rock, towards Sheridan, Arkansas. It's called East End Community. Some people know what I'm talking about when I say that. Some people don't. It's the East End of Saline County. I've heard of it. You've heard of it. Pretty um, sure I've never been. And I, <laughs> I grew up in a missionary Baptist church. We went to church pretty much every single day the door was open. And plus some. Every Sunday, every Wednesday night, uh, my mom and my aunts, my grandmother were extremely active in the church. VBS director, you know, took care of all the library stuff. Like I spent, you you a, lot spent of Jesus. a lot of time in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I remember at a very young age being attracted to girls. Of course, I was a tomboy. I wanted to run around and play and be rough and get dirty and all that. But oh well, thank and, God you outgrew that. <laughs> well. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, you no I didn't. You kayaking. So <laughs> I've no. grown that, but you know, I I wanted a girlfriend. I didn't want a boyfriend. You know, I didn't want to wear the dresses at church. Not that that means that I'm a lesbian, but you know, I I remember growing up. I didn't want and, to wear and already well. feeling those expectations of well, you're a little girl, so you're supposed to like boys. You know, going to church and having older men in the church, you know, always kid with you. Oh, who's your boyfriend, Tracy? Well, Tracy's my girlfriend. And that's kind of weird coming from like a 30-year-old man saying that a little girl is her girlfriend. Um, it's more than a little weird. Um, that's you know, those little, little things like that, I don't know. It's so, it's, But I remember thinking, oh, I'm not supposed to like that little girl over there. I'm supposed to like that little boy. And then going to school 
And again, my first kiss was with, I kissed a, a girl, another girl in first grade at my bunkin' party. My sleepover, for those who don't know. I was going to say, I was like, wait, that's that the a, sleepover, right? It's the southern thing, the bunkin' oh, yeah, party. That is definitely southern. Um, in, in, my, on my, in my living room floor, in our sleeping bags. And, you know, then as you get older, then it seems like those expectations are even put on you a little bit more. Or you're a girl... Not only are you supposed to like boys, but you're supposed to act this way, not that way. You don't. You shouldn't want to play football. You shouldn't want to shoot BB guns. You know. You shouldn't want to go fishing. You should wear dresses. And I, I remember specifically the dress thing, because uh, I was on the, I was on the Bozo Show, growing up. Oh boy. Do you do you know what the Bozo Show was? Well, we had the one <laughs> up Chicago, like on WGN, the Bozo Show. Uh-huh. Well, I think every. I don't know. I think a lot of different regions had theirs. I'm presuming they're similar. Yeah, Weird probably so. with a big old... Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure. And you, like, got to do the games and stuff. Oh, for sure. And yeah. Yeah. They recorded it. Yep. Man, I was so pumped. I was I was going to be on the Big Gay Radio Show with two... Big, I said Big Gay. Sorry. <laughs> that comes later in my story. That's dramatic foreshadowing. <laughs> the Bozo <laughs> Show. And, and I remember, like, putting on my best slack, you know, my pants outfit. I had this pen... Pan, I can't even talk today. Tan slacks with this like striped shirt. So it was reds and browns and stuff. And I came out of my bedroom. And I was like, man, I'm looking sharp. I'm ready to be on the Bozo show. And my dad looked at me and said, oh no. You get back in there and you put on a dress. And I remember just being so disappointed. I had to wear a dress. And then how am I supposed to like be the one picked to like do the whole thing where you go grab the balloons and you go sit on them and pop them? Because how are you supposed to do that in a dress? It was poor strategy on your dad's part. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, he clearly was not well, I did concerned not, with you listen, winning the games. I did, didn't, I did not get picked for that game. Yep. No. But anyway, you know, so little things like that. And then it, eventually, and then going to church and hearing that you know, that's wrong. And this is how it's supposed to be. And if it's not this way, if you're not that way, then you're going to go to hell. And after hearing that message repeatedly... It's like, oh, well, I mean, I must I don't be want, bad. I don't want to go to hell. Right. I mean, I want to. I'm a Christian. Well, then that, then I have to be this way. And so you start to suppress, or at least that's what I did. So I suppressed. And you know, I remember even as a young teenager, and then as a teenager, feeling like there's something different about me. I'm not really happy. I don't know what it is. But then I just kind of poured myself into athletics and other things, and. You know, then, of course, I do date boys. Then I get pregnant. Then I have a child. And and now here I am married and thinking this isn't the way this is supposed to be. Yeah. You know, I'm not happy. For several reasons. But, I mean, I think that being in the back of my head was probably a large part of that. Probably. Um, And it wasn't until I was in my late 20s after my divorce that I started hanging out with friends and doing more things and getting out and about and being social. And I I went out to the local club. And then it was at that- The gay club? (laughs) The gay club. And it was that point that something in my mind, so I still didn't completely come out, but at least clicked and was like, oh, okay. 
There's oh, this is a thing. This is a thing. This is a thing. This is a thing. And, and I, other I kinda, people feel this thing. Other people feel this thing. And I kind of like being here around these other people that feel this thing. Yeah. You know, and so then, then of course, then there was a long time. You know, we had the local lesbian bar here, UBU. I'd actually you, been to you that. You'd actually been to UBU. Uh-huh. So for the longest, Angie, you probably won't believe this, but I was known as Straight Tracy in the club. I would go out with a good friend of mine, and you know, people would ask me to dance. They're like, "Oh, no, 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 no! I don't dance, and I'm, I'm straight." And they would just look at me like, "Straight Tracy." Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, you just keep believing that. All right, sure you are. <laughs> sure you are. Okay. Um, but then, you know, as I guess a couple years of that, that I reconnected with an old friend of mine that I met through basketball camp in high school. And I developed a crush. And one night, I, like, had the courage to say, you know what? This is me. And, of course, then I came out and I I told her that I had a crush on her. Didn't really turn out in my favor as far as the crush goes. Yeah, well. (laughs) Um, And then I guess... You miss 100% of the shots you never take. You know? So, (laughs) So... there you go. You never know if you don't try, right? That's right. That's right. So anyway, um, then I met my first girlfriend in, God, it was 2000. 2000. So 18 years ago, I met my first girlfriend. And, then, and since then, it's just like there's no turning back. Now, um, I was, at that time, I was in the public schools. I was a teacher and a coach. And so even though I was living this, and this was my life, I still wasn't completely out to my family or especially at work for fear of, um, of what might happen if I were. And it wasn't until like a year after we had been dating that I came out to my mother. And... Um, she didn't really know how to, I think, deal with that. She wasn't super excited about it. She was very worried about how that might affect my son's life because sure. kids can be mean, parents can be mean, and, yes. and then what that might mean for me and my employment. Uh, because, I, again, I was in the public schools in Arkansas, and you know, as we know, that that, that could be in, in some of our districts around the state, um, I guess not so, such a good thing because you could possibly be fired for that. And so, sure. so it wasn't until after 14 years of being in, in several relationships, of being in the public schools that I um, stepped away from that profession and then found myself as a host on a local community radio station as a co-host of a radio show that was called the Big Gay Radio Show. Take that, bozo. So, so take that, bozo. So then it was at that point that I mean I was I was completely out. You know there was there was no going back. Well, you from better there. be by the time you get and on the so Big Gay Radio I'm Show. Now I'm on the Big Radio Show, a two-hour program every Friday, and it was at that point in time that marriage equality wasn't yet a thing. That we were still fighting for that. And we had a couple of big bills that were introduced in the legislative session that year on here in Arkansas. 
And so we we were at the Capitol pretty much every day reporting on what was going on. And so it was kind of at that at that point that I found this, I guess, role in activism here in Arkansas. And you know, from there, then it went to our radio show to now this podcast. And you know, after I'm forty, almost forty five, will be in November. I'm saying oh. it. I'm telling it. I'm telling it. Oh, wait. I've I only lived half of my life, okay? I've got a whole other lifetime to There live. you go. A whole other lifetime to yep. live. But, you know, there were some struggles. And, and I'm, you know, I think that there were some times as a young teenager that I was probably experiencing some depression and didn't realize what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in, in adulthood and trying to figure out how to deal with with family and job and even friends that maybe I felt a need to come out to and and so I don't know I think but here I am now and you're like a professional I guess I kind of want to give people you know I kind of want to like share my story so people can see like if if maybe you're struggling with things that there's hope Mm -hmm. there's hope you know so anyway, that so that's part of my story. Growing up in, in a rural area in Arkansas in a church that is not accepting um, was hard. But thankfully, you know, here I am now. You made it. That's my story. You made it. It does get better. <laughs> it does um, get better. Yes. So you're not from Arkansas. I am not. You're a Yankee. I'm sure that's shocking. Uh, um... <laughs> Couldn't even tell by Right, <laughs> my lack of accent gives me away every time. Um, I am from Wisconsin, which I can't... Yeah, I can't explain the Scott Walker, Paul Ryan years, because that was not it when I was there. Yeah. Like, so I can't, I can't really explain what has since happened. Um, we were much more progressive, as I recall, before I left. I've been here for math. Uh... 14, yes, 14 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, I mean, I really didn't, I didn't recognize how progressive Wisconsin was until I moved here. I was like, oh, hell, we're like flaming liberals up there. Like, this is some <laughs> stuff down here. This is some stuff. Um, but even so, like, I was raised small, like, really small town. Uh, pretty, I would say rural Wisconsin. Uh, in a Lutheran church, which is about a half step away from Catholic, so... Okay. Uh, the thing is, which I've noticed, certainly since being here and talking to so many people, um, while I know that the Lutheran tradition is not accepting, accommodating, whatever, um, well, there's two different synods, but anyway, uh, <laughs> largely not progressive nor accepting i do not recall hearing like it's not the yankee or the lutheran way the fire and brimstone stuff that's not our thing like i don't i don't remember always feeling like i was going to hell like regardless of what i was doing i don't i don't remember like that's i don't think i blocked it out i just think we didn't that's just not what we did yeah so i guess outside of the bible belt maybe that was just different um I remember, I mean, still, but socially, because, like, your greatest fear as an adolescent is being separated from your peers, like, mm-hmm. physically or um, in an identity sense. So I remember not 
like being excited, like noticing that I probably felt differently than some people, but not being in a real big hurry to talk about that with anybody. Yeah. Um, but again, it wasn't like a, I think it was more of like a, um, social acceptance fear. I don't think I wasn't fearful that I was going to hell. I was just kind of like, um, yeah, I don't think this is going to play well for me. <laughs> like, socially, with friends, and this is, it's a, it's a small school, and it's a, eh, I'm going to try, I'll try and not be, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to try real hard, but I'll just, just generally, I'm not going to date. I'll do, I will be in activities, I will be in sports, I will, and just not worry about that. Mm-hmm. Kind of what I did. Um, and so I remember, like, it was way later when I finally... I mean, I came out, I don't even like the phrase, because my thing is, like, until until a cis-hetero has to sit down and tell their parents that they're cis and hetero, I don't think anybody should have to come out. Like. Amen. Just, like, <laughs> until everybody does, nobody should. That's sort of where I'm at on that. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but there came a point in time where, because of a relationship, I felt like, oh, they should probably know this. Just because I don't want to behave any differently. Mm-hmm. Like, when my person's around. I don't want to behave any differently. Right. And Oh, this is my roommate. Yeah, the barrier to that was the parents didn't know. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll tell them. Um, in my, I 100% own how fortunate this story is. Because I absolutely, personally, and through lots of professional conversations, realize it doesn't go this way. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad's response was, uh, that's okay, honey. We assumed. And I went, whoa, dude. Uh, don't assume. Like, <laughs> you suspect. You know what assuming does? <laughs> I was like, dude, don't assume. Suspect. He's like, eh, assume, suspect. <laughs> Semantics. And I went, no, man. No, it's not. <laughs> and that was, like, that was the most controversial part with my parents was, Fighting over the word suspect and assume. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the big controversy. Nice. Um, I came out when I had the conversation with my siblings. I have three younger siblings, two brothers and a sister. Um, my one brother said, you know, you've never had an ugly friend. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You get that I didn't, I mean, I don't disagree with you, but you get that I didn't, like, actually date <laughs> all of my friends and probably not even any of them at, thus far right he's like yeah well i'm just saying you never had an ugly friend <laughs> and then my other brother much like my dad just said well um because oh yeah the other part of my dad's was you're my daughter and i love you so okay yeah wow. um my younger of the two brothers said the same thing he's like well you're my sister and i love you and i was like okay and then my sister just went, okay. And you've met my sister. Yeah. That's, oh, that's yeah. my sister. Cool as shit. And then my second brother looked at my first brother and said, she really hasn't ever had an ugly friend, has she? <laughs> and that was pretty much that. Like, that was... Yeah. That was that. Um, there were other family members. I never had formal conversations with them, though, because yeah. it didn't... I don't think it mattered who I was dating or the gender of that person like I I just we didn't get a lot into personal like relationship stuff we had Mm -hmm. very clear kind of boundaries about stuff so it's not that I was hiding it was just that just wasn't a thing we talked about about, yeah 
Um, I, although I will say that uh, with my current partner, my now late maternal grandpa, whom I love dearly, because he was he's just a good he was a good dude, um, said <laughs> if she wasn't with me on one of the trips home, he would go, "Where's your buddy?" <laughs> And the thing is, like, he was late 80s. I wasn't trying... I wasn't trying to have to just, like, explain all of that stuff. Like, nothing. I was just... He and I had a good relationship. That's all that mattered to me. Yeah. Like, I didn't... Again, we didn't have, like, a lot of self-disclosure, like, of super personal stuff. Like, my family system's just not set up that way. Yeah. So... I don't feel like I kept it from them. I just feel like, again, it kind of, to me, it falls under the premise of, well, unless everybody has to sit people down and label themselves, I don't think anybody should. Mm-hmm. So I just was going to do me and be me, and that that was going to be it. Like, I didn't feel the need to sit down and go, okay, so I'm going to be me, and here's everything that that means. Right. I was just going to be me, mm-hmm. and that was that. Mm-hmm. But I again, I own 100% how fortunate I am that I had the ability to do that. And that the most controversial part was my father's word choice. <laughs> 100% get that. Um, but I did notice there was absolutely a change when I moved here. Um, I mean, it was palpable. Like the pervasive nature of the condemnation was palpable. Like, mm-hmm. whoa. Um about the only negative experience I can think of was, yeah, when I worked, I was a civilian because, obviously, this would not be, yeah, <laughs> this should never be enlisted. And it wasn't. <laughs> so I was a civilian employee on the Air Force Base. That was actually the job I moved here for. And some woman came up to me. I was, I mean, the youth sports program director. Mm-hmm. You know, Whatever. I'd also been a coach. I'm sure this is shocking. Um, but, I mean, I'm not saying it's... It, I mean, there's just... I'm not saying it's a stereotype. I'm just saying it's a frequent occurrence. A That's frequent. what I'm saying. Yes. Um, but in the middle of, like, this big baseball, like, probably I had eight fields running at the same time. This mom came up to me, and she was kind of... To me, she was known as a busybody anyway. Uh, and I didn't really those folks weren't my community like that was where I worked yeah Um, but this mom came up to me and out of nowhere like seriously no nothing just walked up to me and said I have a question to ask you and I was like okay um are you a lesbian and I went huh well I failed to see how that's relevant yeah to which she said well I don't care because they never care when they ask that question right Uh, but some of the other parents were talking about it and it's important that you I know, know like, that. I don't... Okay. So, I mean, they were just wondering. I said, well, since, you know, you don't care, but they're concerned. They can come to me one-on-one if they want. But again, I fail... I, my answer will be the same because I failed to see how that's relevant. Mm-hmm. And I think she did not know how to handle that because I didn't... I don't know, I didn't fight with her, I didn't lash out at her, I didn't, yeah. like, immediately start, I know, bursting into tears or something. Yeah. So she, when I said, yeah, but they can ask me, but also not relevant, she just went, okay, and then walked away. 
And then I had to go tell my boss because I was like, I don't, I don't know what this means. Yeah. I mean, I'd only been in the state of Arkansas for maybe, got seriously, probably like three, four months at that point. Yeah. So I was like, ah, I know it's different here. I don't know what this means. I was like, so here's the thing that happened. And of course, he was, he was a little bit fearful of what I would have said in response right. for some reason. <laughs> oh, that's weird. I know, right? I know. He's very concerned. concerned. <laughs> He's like, uh, what did you say? I was like, well, and so I relayed what I had said. He was like, oh, okay. I was like, I don't, I don't know what you're going to have to do with that, if anything, but just telling you. Yeah. I do remember being, like, fearful for a little bit. Like, oh, my God. Like, does this mean, can I lose my job for this? Because this was, this was at the time of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And that only, I mean, that specifically affected and regulated those who are active duty and in the military. So that wasn't me as a civilian, but that was, I mean, it was clearly part of the culture. Mm-hmm. And so I wondered, I was like, oh, so even though this is like a regulatory standard for the military for enlisted, will this, oh, yeah. I mean, I was, well, I was afraid of it you. Yeah. for a few minutes. Right. <laughs> and then I was like, I mean, I guess whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. But wow, that would really suck. Mm-hmm. And then I never heard about it again. So. I don't so that's know. that. And then I went to work in mental health, and they don't care. No. Because there's, I mean, there's, per, you know, there are a lot of gays everywhere. Um, there are a lot of gays in mental health, so really nobody cares. <laughs> You're safe. You're safe. Pretty safe. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, but I do take that, I will say, you've gone activism, I've gone, I don't know, more advocacy, advocacy. Mm-hmm. and... I've absolutely, I was very intentional in setting that up in the practice because noticing the difference culturally and how pervasive those negative messages are, I was very, very intentional when I started private practice that I wanted to be quite obviously serving the LGBT community because, yeah, there's no way that being inundated with those negative messages throughout your whole life, specifically in critical developmental stages, Mm doesn't have long-term negative implications and so I wanted to make sure that folks had at least one more and sometimes for folks it's just one safe space Mm -hmm. and so that was kind of the path I took with it yeah I'm not so much the activist kind probably because I say a lot of stuff that you know may not be (laughs) I'm not great at diplomacy Uh, so that's that's not a path maybe for me but this one works okay. I'm, I'm going to stick with this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and so, well, I'm, I'm very happy that you haven't had several negative ex- negative experiences here. That's for sure. Oh, uh, me too. I think and I've just been insulated. Like, yeah. that was one thing. Uh, my mother, who, whatever. Um, <clears throat> my mother said, I'm just wondering or kind of like fearful what it's like for you Mm -hmm. and I was like well I think it's I think it's just like anything else if you surround yourself with good people yeah then you you have done that you have done that I'll I'll give you that Angie oh because you're right here yeah you you surround yourself with good people that's at least at least one good one (laughs) at least one and it's me so so let's talk about that maybe because that so of course I think a lot of my um, history or, or suppression came from 
the church that I attended growing up. And, and then even after that, as an adult, I went back one night with my mother and sat through a class and that, and during that class, the teacher who was presenting the, the specific, that lesson specifically targeted the LGBT community and same-sex marriage and how we were just trying to take over and, and do away with Christianity. And I remember looking at my mom, I remember my face getting red, and I remember just saying, mm-mm, this is, like, this is going to be one of the last times I come here with you. Yep. And then it was after I had moved back to central Arkansas, to Little Rock, from being in northwest Arkansas, and had not been active in the church for quite some time, I was looking for a church to be active in. And I was told about Quapaw Quarters United Methodist Church. Yep. And I started attending there, and Reverend Betsy was the pastor at the time. And I just, I mean, it was a completely different experience for me than what I grew up with and going to church and leaving there feeling uplifted and accepted and mm-hmm. loved every time I stepped foot in there. Yep. And I just, and since then, I, I haven't, I mean, I, I tend to, to go to, to the Methodist Church. I've yep. been to, I've, I've visited some Presbyterian churches, a couple of Episcopal churches, and I enjoy those. Um, but we have several affirming churches of different denominations in the central Arkansas area and maybe one or two outside of, um, but how, so I know that you're active in the church and you said that you were, you attended a Lutheran church uh, back home in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're active in church now. Did you have any negative experiences in trying to find that, that church home? Um, I think, so for me it was never, again, re- religion is different up north. It, it just is. Like it's, if you go, then you go, and it's your business, and nobody talks about it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a thing that you do. Sure. It, it's not nearly, like, the cornerstone that it is here. Like it is in the like Bible Belt? Yeah. It's, like the, it's buckle, not like that. the buckle of the Bible Belt? Yeah. <laughs> so I was not really messed up about finding a church, because I was like, I mean, eh, whatevs. Like, I, I have my own thing, and I'm, I'm cool. Yeah. Um, but my partner was also, she was raised Southern Baptist, and... In Texas, so um, I think church in that community had a much greater significance for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, it was that cornerstone piece. She would also say every time the church doors were open, she was there. Like mm-hmm. she and her family were there. Uh, so it became apparent that she really longed for that community. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, okay. So we did this thing that we call church shopping, which <laughs> we visited several uh, there was actually a church that she was going to when we met, and I went a couple times, and I just, I don't know, I had a really hard time with it. Yeah. Um, and I basically said, at one point, I was like, um, yeah, I don't think I can keep doing this. Like, I can't keep going here, because they're anti-gay. Like, they're, and kind I of thought, see where was, that might be I a know, problem. was like, oh. <laughs> But her thing was, I mean, because they, they build themselves as a non-denominational church, but in reality, they pay their dues to the Baptist Association. Mm. Um, but they present as though gotcha. they're non-denominational. Um, 
but I was getting the vibe that that was not true. Um, so I basically, the way that I phrased it to her was, here's the deal. I don't want to go to a place where if we were having issues in our relationship and we went to the pastor for some sort of counseling, I would not want to go to a place where the pastor's response would likely be, oh, it's because you're gay. That's why you're having right. problems. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, that's like, I can't get down with that. Um, and her kind of her perspective on it was, well, they don't ever really say stuff. So it wasn't matter. I was like, yeah, but I can't like, I don't know. Like that was just thinking long term and yeah. Um, so then that's when we really, really started shopping. And oddly enough, we also found Quapaw and when Betsy was there Mm -hmm. and yeah, I was never one again, organized religion didn't hold nearly um, significance. the same significance for me. Um, but I went there and I remember the very first sermon and I sat there and we got up to leave and I looked at my partner and I went, huh, well, I can come back here again and see if she can keep it up. That seemed good. <laughs> I'll see if she can keep it up. I mean, I was still skeptical though. Right. Yeah. But I mean, we kept going there for, I mean, years and followed her to Trinity, which is where we still are. Um, and we're not, we haven't been as active of late because, yeah, we have an interim pastor. It's not great. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do, like I am allegedly uh, a leader of a Sunday school class at Trinity. and Allegedly. Allegedly. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> Actually, Betsy did it on they her way out the door. tell me that I'm supposed to be the leader. Seriously, Betsy did it on her way out the door. <laughs> she was like, oh, and Angie's going to be in charge. I was like, what? And she told other people before she told me. I mean, whatever. <laughs> And I'm like, there's no realm in this world wherein this should be in charge of anything church-related. <laughs> but it happened, and it's like we're two and a half years in now, and it is what it is. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've since kind of made my way, probably about if I attend, most of the time when I attend, I attend Pulaski Heights United Methodist yep. Church, where is that's where... Betsy is now mm-hmm. uh, leading the contemporary service, and <clears throat> so I attend there. But there's there's even um, there's a Second Baptist Church downtown that is uh, working towards building their you know their congregation as being affirming, mm-hmm. um, which is it's like wow blows right. my mind. My aunt attends there, and I have attended a couple times with her, and it's it's been very it's been good, and so that's. No, no. So that's, I think we've come quite a ways. Uh, where that's concerned, then you know we still have those those other smaller churches. Mm-hmm. Um, in you the mean more like Glenwood. <coughs> How'd you know? I just like a lucky Glenwood. guess. <laughs> I just a lucky like guess. Glenwood. So recently, um, you know, like we have. So this is June, and June is Pride Month, and. Central Arkansas does not, I mean, I guess you could say we, we are having Pride events in Little Rock and in the Central Arkansas area. The Central Arkansas Pride, the organization itself, does not celebrate great Pride until October. But they do hold events throughout the year. Yes. And one of those events is, will be on June 30th at Magic Springs in Hot Springs. It's called Out Days. And... You know, apparently a lot of people are getting wind about this event, and mm-hmm. one of those people being a Methodist pastor in Glenwood, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. 
who says, um, hey, do not support this. This is not right. Don't take your children to Magic Springs on this day because gays. Because gays. <laughs> because the agenda. Because gays in the because agenda. They, because this is, it's a huge this recruitment is event. big recruitment event. <laughs> this is where they're trying to get all the people to join them. Yeah. <clears throat> you will be turned. That's right. <laughs> not expose um, your children to the risk. Don't expose them. So there, uh, so yeah, so this pastor made a statement and, and then apparently was on a local radio station a couple of days ago wherein he gay bashed for about four hours is what I've heard. It's what I've heard. I did not listen to it myself, but I've been told that this same pastor has done this. So, um, so we still have. So again, I think part of my my reason for bringing that up is maybe why I feel the need for this podcast to be a thing. Sure. Is because in a lot of our areas, especially rural areas, not all of them are rural. No. I mean, we're not completely blue, if if you want to call it blue. It doesn't really matter if it's Democratic or Republican, but we're not... um, Not, We're not 100% We're we're very conservative still up in even Northwest Arkansas. uh, where, I mean, there there are people that are still struggling with in the communities that they live in mm-hmm. and being able to be themselves yes. and not be bullied or, you know, put, I mean, put out of the congregation. Yep. You know, there are still people that get kicked out of churches for being gay. You know, there are people um, that have gone to those churches that, again, kind of present themselves as non-denominational. Um, but if they want to get into some sort of leadership or serve in some role, like leading groups or something, uh, there's often uh, an additional application process to do that. And there are blanks, like there are questions on these applications that ask them if they identify as LGBT or even if they identify as allies. And then their application to serve is denied. Wow. Yeah, like that's a thing that's still happening at these big churches that will say that they're non-denominational and will say that they're open and welcoming. To all people. And accept that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's why I think that that programming like this, like a podcast of this nature, is, is very important, especially for the people of our state that are still living in those very conservative areas where, um, you know, that's where their family is. Mm -hmm. That's where they've grown up. That's the community that they know, but they still can't be 100% their authentic selves for fear of those types of things happening. Yeah. You know? Um, So, there's that. There's that. And so then... And talking about, so that's the church. That's one thing. So then there's another area, too, because, you know, as you remember two years ago, we all stood on the steps of the Capitol every day for almost a full month fighting HB 1228 yep. and SB 202, yep. which SB 202 became law. It was the Interstate Act. I think it's Act 137 now, um, basically making it impossible for uh, cities, uh, city governments to pass 
non-discrimination ordinances. Right. Luckily, a, a few places were able to pass it before it actually became law. Uh, Fayetteville didn't quite make the mark, so there's been this thing up in Fayetteville for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So there was a big for Fayetteville campaign. We even had a small town in the Delta that passed a non-discrimination ordinance before the law went into effect. But there's still cities like Jonesboro, uh, Hot Springs, I believe, passed one, but there's El Dorado, Texarkana, places where those aren't in effect, right. where there's no protections for those people. Some yeah. went further than others. Eureka Springs, pretty much everyone is protected. Yeah. Conway, it's only city employees. Um, Pulaski County or City of Little Rock, theirs is somewhat limited. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's still a thing. So that becomes a thing where we have to pay attention. Right? Yeah. So part of that starts with the people that we elect. Yes. Right? From school boards to JPs to the city councils, aldermen, you know, some some places have city council members, some places have aldermen, but even up to our to our state representatives, to our attorney general, to our governor, to mm. the president of the United States, right? Yes. Because that's who appoints people like our Supreme Court justices. Yes. Right? Which, thankfully, two years ago, was it two years ago? Was it three years ago? Three. That was in our favor. You know, 2015. 2015. Yes. That same-sex marriage became legal in the law of the land. Yes. Now, there's still things that we're still fighting for. Adoptions. Uh, birth certificate rights, things like that, and other places. But as far as marriage is concerned, it's legal. Yes. Everywhere now. Uh, but now that makeup on the Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court, that's changed. We just had a new justice appointed after 45 became president. Mm -hmm. And recently we had a Supreme Court ruling where they ruled that, what was it, that a Colorado baker has a First Amendment right to refuse to design a wedding cake for a same-sex couple. All I'm saying is, Jesus would bake the damn cake. Okay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Jesus, what would Jesus do? Well, he'd bake the damn cake. That is what I'm saying. But, yes. Now, of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I'm just, well, you're obviously not going to be one, the one designing my cake. Right. God, they yeah. probably really screw it up. Well, maybe they, they would. spit in it or something. What would they put in it? I don't know. What would they put in Sawdust? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to give them my money. I'll go give some other nicer folks my money, right. and they can make my cake. Um, but then it, it. But so there's that, right? So there's like just let the commerce take care of itself, and don't give your money to somebody like that. But it's a it's a pretty scary precedent because yeah. it's not just going to apply to bakers. I mean, this is, again, this is that what they they call religious freedom protection. Um, that basically allows you to say, nope, I won't serve you because it goes against my religious beliefs. So in this case, it was a baker. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's but when you have a ruling like this, it's not only for bakers. Mm -hmm. I mean, there have been, God, there have been conscience clauses, even mental health professionals 
Um, Tennessee uh, passed one. Actually, Tennessee passed it, I think, last year or two years ago. It, it, yeah. Where it basically said that a counselor can refuse service. Right. And I'm like, here's the thing. Like, you're a healthcare professional. You don't. There's a code we have, of ethics, right? Yeah, we have code of ethics. Yeah. Our code of ethics, ours is um, specific to, like, it's based off the ACA, the American Counseling Association. Um, so we adopt that. In there, there are non malfeasance clauses and benevolence clauses, which are basically, you know, do no harm um, and always, you know, do the right thing by your person. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, I fail to see how some sort of religious objection aligns with those two things. Yeah. Um, because what about the people in rural Arkansas that maybe have one counselor within a 50-mile radius? What about somebody who's in a crisis scenario mm-hmm. and they don't have anyone who uh, can get past themselves, frankly, to see them and do their job? I mean, what about those people? Like, right. that's that's the risk. I mean, because then, yeah, then you have, like, Again, you can expand this broader and go, oh, so paramedics can do this now? Right. Well, and that was a concern with HB 1228. Yeah. You know, when they were trying, because it's basically a a religious freedom act. um, A RIFRA, what they called it. And it was based off the federal RIFRA. Mm -hmm. And and that was a big concern with the medical field. Like, will doctors in an emergency situation refuse service? Or to work on someone because, well, they're gay. Right. Well, so here's you know? the thing that's always surely you me. think surely not, but well, I mean, crazier things have happened. Uh, so the original, like the federal RIFRA, that was introduced not for what these supposed persecuted Christians are saying. Uh, RIFRA was originally introduced to protect those of religious minorities, so that. They could take um, like their religious holidays off from work and not be punished. Mm-hmm. That's that's what that was for. Um, that is not what they're trying to do with it no. right now. No. Like, I mean, they're just bastardizing like the whole premise of what it was. Mm-hmm. That's beyond problematic to me. Um, and at what point have Christians been persecuted? Like, can we just ask that question? Yeah. Like, I mean, really? Like, no. <clears throat> like. That's just, it's dumb, right? Well, dumb. I just, you know, there's so many things that are done about every. I mean, that's just like, and we're going to go completely off topic here, but, I mean, that's just what? like. <laughs> I know, we we'd never. That? I mean, that's just like our immigrants. Oh, my Lord. And we have li- literally, like this, we're not making this up. We have children in yeah. cages right now, mm-hmm. stripped away from their parents. Mm-hmm. That we are detaining mm-hmm. because they're trying to seek asylum or they're trying to get away from a bad situation and come somewhere where it's better, but we're going to punish them and say, You can't come here. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take away your children because of it. And we've done that on how many different occasions? Uh, slavery is the one that pops into my well, I mean, head. Sla- like, I mean, you know, immediately. And, and there's that. I mean, we've. God. We've taken away Native American children from mm-hmm. their families, and we're still doing that. We've done that for years. Yeah. And then you have slavery. And then you have the, um, after, what is it, World War, I mean, we had uh, the, the... internment camps. The internment yeah. camps. Thank you. God. Wasn't there one right here in Arkansas? 
I feel like down I south it. Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, what? Why do we? And now Ugh. it's 2018, and we're still doing this. But hey, it's okay. We're Christians. It right? also says so in the Bible to follow follow the law. I'm like that. That's what you're. Okay. That's. Okay, that's your justification for ripping children away from their yeah. parents and then putting them in cages. We're going to quote scripture that says it's right. Yeah. Flipping kidding me. Anyway, sorry. It's Got away from that. There, there's a lot there's, of there's all, there's all these things. It's just like the Medicaid thing that we're doing right now. Oh, and and all of the different... Uh, Whatever. Now I'm getting I'm getting fired up, Angie. And I can't, my words aren't Woo! coming to me. They're not coming to me. Um, it's just, God, what? Why can't we not work towards helping people? Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's always the like the extra quizzical part to me is how are you going to do all this stuff and cite Jesus? Like I just. Hypothetically, we read the same book, but I don't have the same takeaway. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. uh, and even my 93 year old grandmama, um, I remember one of the one of our last conversations. She said to me, "I just don't understand all of this." Now, this woman was raised apostolic and Pentecostal. Like one is not enough. She doubled down. Wow. Um, <laughs> Did she, did she speak in tongues? I never saw it. I don't know. I mean, she was kind of rebellious, though, because she used to play the organ, but then she got her hair trimmed, so they kicked her off. Yeah. Oh, my grandmother yeah. had to apologize to the church. Yeah, they kicked her off organ for doing that. Uh, but she could still, she arrived upon the conclusion, and she said to me, I don't understand this because our only job is to love. Thank you. I was like, okay. If my 93-year-old apostolic Pentecostal grandmother can get this, Yeah, you other fools don't have an excuse. I don't... Don't buy it. Don't, no. Don't buy it. No. Anyway, and so, whoo, we got yeah. off on there. Um, It'll happen. It's, we've come a long way. We have. We have come a long way, but we still have a long, long way, to go. way to go. We have yeah. a long way to go. So that's why it's important to pay attention to what's yes. going on. Not only in Arkansas, but in other states. Mm-hmm. Because what other states do can affect us. Definitely. And even especially on the national level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of that is voting. Yes. Part of that is voting. Informed voting. Informed. I would like to. Yeah, no. I like that you added that. Thank qualify. you. Qualify. Yeah. Yes. Informed. Informed no, voting. Not, not to just go to the ballot and go, oh, that name sounds cool. I think right. I'll vote for them. You know. Um, but to to be informed and to take advantage of that right. Yes. Yeah. Because it is our right. But you know, so on another, let's 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 give a positive note. So you you mentioned what are we did mention the federal RIFA RIFRA. Yes. And so recently there was. A, I'm trying to I'm gonna try to highlight a positive of of maybe for someone that hasn't always been positive for our community. Right. Right, because, so we have this Orrin Hatch. Yes. Right, he's a representative, a U.S. representative. From the great state of Utah. From the great state of Utah. And, of course, he applauded the Supreme Supreme. The Supreme Court oh, ruling <laughs> in favor of the My tongue gets in the way sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, 
in favor of you know the First Amendment right, whatever, in yes. favor of the baker. Uh, but then he also recently has come out and and publicly stated that we have an issue going on, and that suicide within the LGBTQ community. Yes. And that something needs to happen. Agreed. And so, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, okay, whatever, he said that, but then what has he done here? You know, I, I, not everybody is going to to do the best thing, or, or I guess go our way in every situation, but I think that the fact that he has stepped up and acknowledged that this is a thing and that something needs to be done about it and it's not something needs to be done about it and we need to change them it's yeah we need we need something to help them like a national three-digit number that they can call suicide hotline yeah like 911 right so it's not this big long number that you have to remember it's three simple digits that anybody could call nationwide and get help if they're feeling suicidal yeah yeah and it seems like a relatively simple right. step i wouldn't call right. it i was going to say solution we're not quite at solution yet but it's a very simple step in intervention mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. and i do think it's significant that he said it and yes there was immediate backlash it was like you were talking about yeah but mm-hmm. he also did all this other stuff before here's the thing when people evolve, and that's kind of what we want them to do, right? right. Like, is evolve on topics, evolve on issues, uh, evolve in their own education and position. When they do, it doesn't, like, erase the position that they're evolving from, right? So, right. I don't know, I just, I don't understand why when somebody does evolve, and then we go, yeah, but do you remember... All the crap they did before they evolve. It's like, but I thought what progress is the demonstration of the evolution. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise we're saying, yeah, it doesn't matter if you evolve because all the stuff you did before, that's all we're going to care about. That I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, yeah. So but, I think it's important. Yes. It's important that that's recognized because that is a positive. Yes. And it needs to be highlighted. Um so, and it does so matter because he is conservative and he is in Utah and that's a pretty conservative state. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that does matter. Yeah. It just does. Yeah. That's a, that's a big, that's a big thing. It is. It's a big thing. So <clears throat> we've talked about some negatives. We've talked about some positives. So another positive thing is um, we have Kaleidoscope here in Central Arkansas. It's so a locally positive thing. It's a, very, it's a locally positive thing. They've been around, gosh, is this our fourth year? So we every year we have the Kaleidoscope Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And they have grown each year. And now this year they're doing several events throughout the year before the week of the film festival. And it's really not, it's really more than a film festival now. I mean, there's, there's visual art, uh, there's performance art. There's a lot more. It's a lot more entailed than what it started out to be. Um, but coming up later this week, it will actually be next week because it's on a Sunday. I guess if you yes, start your week on a Sunday, technically. Yes. Uh, but June twenty fourth uh, in Argenta in North Little Rock, they're going to have beers and queers. 
like a community block party for Kaleidoscope. It's going to be hosted yep. by Kaleidoscope, uh, the Argenta Arts Council, and Argenta Arts District, I believe, are the three hosts of this event. So it looks like it's shaping up to be a pretty cool deal. Some live music, mm-hmm. and a lot of different things going on. So look it up on Facebook. Beers and Queers in Argenta, I think, is what you can find it under. Yes. And we can share it as well. But we've got a lot of good stuff going on, and that's one of those things. So. Show up. Show up. Show up and. Show up and. Show out. I don't know. Have some beer. Have some beer. And then show out. I don't know. In Argenta. In North Little Rock's gayest neighborhood. Gayest. Queerest neighborhood. Queerest neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, before we close out here, again, Angie and I, with our radio show and with other things that we've been involved in, we'd like to encourage other people to share their stories. We would like to encourage you to share your story. So you can get, uh, again, we have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's the Tea with Tracy and Angie. We're going to change that. <laughs> Sometime but we're going to when, get around to changing when that. When this is posted, we'll have that information available. If you would like to share your story, if you'd like for us to share your story, we would love to do that. The more short stories that we share, the more people that find hope and know that there is love out there and that they're not alone. And we want to make sure that hopefully maybe... We get that message to them. We so. can be points of light. Points of light. I know it's a George H.W. Bush reference, but that's still. Okay. That's okay. A thousand <laughs> points of light. <laughs> we'll be points all of light, light are good. All Let's light. be all that's of That's good. Yes. Uh, until next week, thank you for tuning in, I guess. Would you call it that? What do the kids listening say about for podcasts? podcasts? I bet thank you, you listen listening. In. I think you listen. Thanks for listening. Yeah. To Out in Arkansas with Tracy and Angie. Have a good week. Have a good week.